Welcome back to Underexposed Podcast. Today, I am joined by Vanessa Joy. Vanessa, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. As many people know, you're an amazing wedding photographer. All of my friends in the wedding photography business are like, wait, you're having Vanessa Joy on your podcast? That's freaking amazing. So, <laughs> and you are a Canon explorer of light, a fellow Canon girl. Uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, Canon user. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and let's that's not, an, let's just not go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, and that's an honor bestowed by only uh, five photographers in the wedding community. So that is amazing. So with that being said, okay, here we go. We're trying something different today. You're setting out into the wedding industry, just leaving school. You have no idea where to begin. Having a, a baseline understanding of like how to use your camera and then the, you're going to purchase your first camera. Where do you start? I would start with used gear. You know, it's funny. So many people are like, oh, but you, you can get this camera and this lens combo for under $1,000. So, and it's like, yeah, good when you buy it new. But have we forgotten there's used gear? I mean, you can go pick up like a Canon 5D Mark III, which is still a great camera, yeah. much less a, a 5D Mark IV, and get used lenses that, you know, you could end up with like an arsenal thousand dollars i mean i'd have to look up like find some used stuff but you know you can definitely do that and i think people get really bogged down with having to have new gear when you could really get a lot more bang for your buck if you just buy used and you're not buying used like i mean i'm not gonna say a brand name but it's not like you're buying used crap <laughs> that yeah you know you're buying a used canon a used you know even nikon or sony like you're buying solid brands they're gonna still be good they're gonna still work and they're gonna get you through especially if you're buying a used body that way you can spend more on your lenses because the lenses are gonna last you years and years and years through bodies and bodies and bodies so i i always say buy used same thing goes with like lighting and stuff like that yeah for sure I know that you have a series on your YouTube channel, which I love. I'm a huge fan where you um, have professional photographers like yourself or, you know, Jared Polin. And, and there are a whole bunch of them. I really encourage you guys to watch them if you feel like gear is holding you back because you guys crush it using like old Canon, like Rebel 3s or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. how, how did that come about? Was that from people always asking you, you know? Blaming it on well, the gear? Well, one, yes. Blaming it on the gear or saying, you know, whether it was me, people usually didn't say that to me, but I've seen them say it to like other YouTubers or friends of mine. Oh, it's just because you have great gear. Like, of course you're going to shoot well. And I think that makes or breaks you when you do or do not have the ability to shoot with less expensive gear. So I was like, well, let me do this. But then on top of it, if I'm going to be super honest. Let's do I, it. I, I want the real yeah. today. I want the real. <laughs> We're going deep. So. I shoot Canon, which means everything on my YouTube is Canon, Canon, Canon. So I can't put like Nikon or Sony hashtags or Fuji or Panasonic because I just don't use it and I'm not allowed to use it. So I'm like, I got to get people on my channel that use other stuff. So I have a wider audience that I can grab. In addition to these people like Jared Polin, I just did one with Chelsea Northrup and like they have huge, you know, million person audiences on YouTube. So it just, it helps the marketing. So uh, yeah, it's a little bit part of the craft, but uh a lot part of the marketing yeah, <laughs> and building for sure. a good YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. How long were you in the wedding industry before you decided to start YouTubing? I know I know that your first professional gig was in 1998, which is uh, pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. When did you start yeah. the YouTubing thing and how did that come about? I started the YouTube thing right before the entire world started YouTube. <laughs> I started it <laughs> uh, November of 2019. And everyone started it in March of 2020 when we locked down for 
the C word that we don't talk about. Yes. And um, so I was lucky enough to start it earlier than that. Um, so I had a little bit of a base, but then I also rode the wave of everyone just being glued to their computers and TVs and watching YouTube all day long. So that was yeah. great. <laughs> I was one of those people um, having an absolute breakdown while also learning a lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everybody was. So, you were my, you mean, were my safe place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You you and other people, not you know. Yeah. I felt I felt the same way. That was my safe space because it was like I can't. You know, I can't shoot, so I might as well do little things. And, you know, I did things with models. And, you know, if you look at stuff I did with Jared, like, you know, he wanted masks or masks. And, you know, it's interesting. And I get my favorite thing is when I get people that, like, take the mask off. And it was like, you know, <laughs> you realize when this was filmed, you see I'm in a studio that's not even my home. So they obviously have rules about this that I cannot break or I cannot use yeah. this space. Like, stop. I, I swear to God, like I've been <laughs> teaching for like 10 or 11 years now in the photo industry, and I've been in the photo industry for another decade before that. I have never experienced as many trolls as I have since starting my YouTube channel. Like, unbelievable. I don't That's, that's why I'm here on, on people, the podcast, because people can't necessarily dude, get to me. Yeah, they can't comment. <laughs> They lower it's your so self-esteem. It's so bad. And they'll be like, let them finish. Yeah. It's like, I am letting them. They talked for like seven straight minutes. I had to jump in eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could totally relate. When I switched to primes and I thought that, you know, the focal length that I chose would like make or break me. I've kind of now I've learned to sort of like move my feet. And, you know, you, you recognize it, that each lens can mm -hmm. be really, really dynamic. But I remember I think one of the first videos I found of yours was the one that's like the the 50, the 85, and I think the 35. There was a couple of different options, but do you get inundated with people asking about that that question and and how much do those does the lens into you know primes, zooms, all that stuff? Feel free to take a deep dive on this, but you know what what advice do you yeah. offer in that regard? When it comes to YouTube, the biggest videos are always gear videos, which I get but at the same time, it also drives me crazy. I have a few like very long technical videos on like deep diving into the menu system of the R6, for example, and it does really well, but oh my gosh, I'd rather be pulling my eyelashes out one by one than making <laughs> videos like that. They're so boring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same thing on like the focusing system with the R5 and the R6, and they're helpful, I know they are. Um, but it just drives me crazy. But that's why I do have all those. I have like every major lens that I've used anyway, is on you know my channel somewhere and I talk about it. And it's great and it's fine. But um, it's just not uh, not my favorite thing to talk about. But I used to be all prime, so I have videos on the fifty and the eighty five and the one thirty five, and that that's just where I lived. But now since the RF twenty eight to seventy came out, the F two. <laughs> You I guys are all saying those. that you made me a prime person. I was like, that's it. I'm on board. I'm cool. I know. I'm you know, like <laughs> I got the, uh, the RF F2, the, the mm -hmm. 85, I think based off of that, beautiful that video. Lens. Yeah, it's yep. good. It's, it definitely gets the job done. And then I was like, okay, like I'm cool. I'm one of the cool kids now. I have prime. And then you and all of my other YouTubers, you abandoned me for this very expensive lens. That's always on back order. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. it's, it's, it's so hard to get. You like cannot get it. Is it really heavy? I feel like that would just like fall off of the, you yeah. Know? Do you get like yeah, carpal tunnel in your wrist from holding that up all day? Like, so if you hold your camera correctly, which I've made like <laughs> TikToks on this, um, you should not get any 
injury because if you hold it correct most people and i myself included especially after a long day most people start holding it in their right hand and then that's why like your fingers hurt and then your wrist hurts because it's all pulling here yeah but you're supposed to put all the weight there in the bottom hand that's holding it and put that elbow up against your body so that it braces without actually putting stress undue stress yeah, I think I need to start doing that because <laughs> I've, I've been kind of like holding like this and trying and then they get in the habit with the, the flip down. Like when I switched to mirrorless, I, I was like, right. I will be someone who always looks through the viewfinder. And now recently yeah. I have it like down, <laughs> down on the floor with like the, the yep. screen open. And that's uh, cool, though. You get some some fun angles with that. So awesome. You do. You do. You can't yeah. help but to use that. You should. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I see that there's a lot of groups for um, second shooters and stuff like that. When you're trying to break into the wedding industry, do you start as a second shooter? You start with a groom. Walk me through that process. You, you should, in my opinion, as a wedding photographer, really any photographer, your goal should be to work for or with as many different photographers as you possibly can, because you can have all the schooling you want. You can have attended all the weddings you've wanted to in the world, and you will not even have an iota of what a wedding looks like for real yeah <laughs> from a photographer perspective so but working with everybody you know beforehand or even after you start your business i mean i second shot for a very long time and every once in a while still do because i think it's valuable to have that second shooter perspective to observe what other people do and you know, learn new things and, or maybe see things you don't particularly like and make sure you don't do them yourself, whatever it is. Um, but you definitely need to work for somebody else first. I feel like that's a loss, a lost art. <laughs> people, yeah. people working for others, you really gotta, gotta do it. Yeah, absolutely. I had to stop myself before the show from being like, when videos and are talking about uh, talking in Spanish in the beginning, because I was like, that might be a little <laughs> bit presumptuous, but I think we're far enough into this thing now that uh, I know that yeah. before this, you were a Spanish teacher, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Always one of my favorite courses in, in school. Tell me about that. And then what made you want to make this switch? Because I know like my, my wife is a music teacher and I know that's sort of a job that can be really stable and it mm -hmm. can, you know, it has, it, it has the, the novelty of like stability and then you go and pursue wedding photography, which is, you know, a little bit of a well, crazy so industry. It is. And I thought, because my only examples were my mother, who was really a stay at home mom, she was a photographer, and I don't even think I ever saw her do weddings, but she did a couple portraits that I remember. And my high school photography teacher who I did weddings with and worked with, he was a teacher, right? So I thought in my head, I love photography, but I need to have a real job. Like that's not a real job. So I went to school, I'm crazy and got five college degrees. And then I became oh a sp Spanish teacher. Yeah, because I, again, this was literally before like people had websites. So it's just what <laughs> I knew. That's what was in my vicinity. And I became a teacher. And I mean, I wouldn't say I hated it, but I wasn't happy about it either. And I definitely do not well do well with people micromanaging me. And mm -hmm. that's, they micromanage teachers, not like a ton. Okay, I take it back. You they can don't say it. my wife is a teacher, they, they micromanage me. <laughs> they do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not like watching me, but I also don't want anyone telling me to do what to do. So I'm my own boss. I can't imagine and, you uh, having a boss, yeah. and I mean that in the best way possible. You, you, don't <laughs> yeah. it you doesn't can't be contained. Well. <laughs> yeah, you cannot be contained. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, do not contain me, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
So was that really nerve wracking when you when you left that profession? And and tell me about that period because I'm I'm sort of in, in that place right now. Like I I thought I needed to have like a real job, and then I was like, oh, like I'll be a designer, and I do love design. And I had a podcast where I interviewed like 170 people about design, so I do love design. But I was I always really in my heart of hearts wanted to be a photographer, but I thought I needed that right. real job. And now I've mm -hmm. completely jumped ship and abandoned my old podcast about design. So I think I'm now on this new path. Tell me about that in between time, that weird clunky time, because that's where I am. And how do I get through without having a nervous breakdown? Uh, it is clunky, <laughs> but I do have a, like a really good step-by-step -step process for quitting your day job. I actually have a YouTube video on it, so you can definitely watch that. It's literally called Don't Quit Your Day Job. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But um, I'm very systematic. So I actually started teaching the same year that I started my own photography business. And I just did both for a while. I didn't have kids. Like I got married a little while later. Like there wasn't really anything in my life other than, you know, working. So I did both at the same time. And the reason that I quit and I didn't do it as systematically as I advise people to do it right now. But the reason that I quit is I just got too busy to handle both. I didn't look at the income levels and like compare like I'm about to tell you to do, but I got too busy and weddings happen not just on Saturday and Sunday, they happen on Fridays too. And all the Fridays I would have to ask off and then I'd be pissing off the administration asking for all these Fridays off because I had to go shoot a wedding. So I ended up leaving like mid year, which is a huge no, no, like you don't do that. They were <laughs> you made very mad that point. at me. Yeah. 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 They were very mad at me. Um, so, but I left, I had to, I just had to, uh, what I do suggest you do now though. And I outline this a little bit bigger in that YouTube video is that you work both jobs until you have done two things until you have figured out your living expenses for three to six months and you've put that money in savings and it's sitting there three to six months of living expenses sitting there. Um, and what you do is you have your day job. Let's just say it's $40,000 a year. Anything over $40,000 a year that you're making from your side hustle, that's what you're putting into savings, right? You're putting that into savings. So you're still living at that $40,000 a year level. And that's important to still live there. It's three to six months of expenses go into there. Um, and then once your side hustle gets to $40,000 a year, that's when you transition. And until then you're just throwing it all in savings for, for the expenses. Okay. So for people that are now out of that second shooter phase, right? They're looking to start their own business. They have some experience under their belt and they're looking to be, you know, the head photographer. Can you talk about what, what that's like and what are some of the misconceptions and what are, what are some of the things to do to make sure that you are, you know, a legitimate business and not just somebody who, you know, cause I know there's a whole bunch of liabilities, there's insurance, yeah, insurance, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, um, well to start, you do have to register yourself and you have to start charging sales tax and it's such a pain in the butt, it really is. But <laughs> I mean, I'm redoing it right now cause I moved to Texas and now I have to do all the registrations here and the sales tax here and here they have state and county and I just want to throw myself out the window with all these places I have to register. Come back to tax. Jersey. You know? <laughs> oh my, well, I didn't leave Jersey. I technically expanded here cause oh, I'm okay. shooting plenty in Jersey. I don't plan on stopping. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so you got to do that first, do your sales taxes get legit. <laughs> I highly suggest using a client management system right off the bat. Spreadsheets are cute, but you can get like 17 hats free for a couple of clients. So you might as well start 
with the right foundation before you're in over your head trying to figure out what gets owed where and you don't know how much money's going to taxes or you know the cost of producing an album or whatever it is so uh, definitely do that and then third yet yeah, you do have to get liability insurance and i highly suggest that you get equipment insurance on top of it i know at this point i would imagine that most people are coming to you but when you're looking to get your name out there from somebody who is just setting out to somebody who's sort of like a household name, can you talk about building that? You uh, put out postcards. Don't just know me. Oh, everything. <laughs> um, but I think that's a big misconception. People don't just know I exist. I have to work <laughs> at marketing even harder, I would say now than before, because I am a lot more expensive than when I first started. When you first start and you're less expensive, like people do knock down your door because you're <laughs> you're less expensive. It's a bigger audience. It's the top of the bell curve, you know? So it's it's actually harder for me to market now and I have to market harder and more intentionally now than I did before. Before I was just like cheap and awesome. <laughs> now I'm just awesome and expensive, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Instagram is huge. So, you know, things like it just last week, I got hired because someone found me on a hashtag. So that works. Uh, I also am really big on treating my clients really, really well. So they talk about me and just because I want to give that kind of customer experience to them. And then the last thing that I do is I do a lot of networking with wedding planners, with uh, reception halls, and I get a big chunk of my business from that too. Yeah, for sure cliche question, but it oftentimes brings interesting results. If you can give yourself any advice, go back in the time machine, you're on the outside of this journey, maybe just leaving your, your Spanish class and making that jump. If you could give yourself any advice, what would, what would you tell yourself? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, it's just so hard. You know, just don't take it personally. I think as photographers, we tend to take things so personally because we are emotionally invested in, you know, the art and our clients and our job and everything else. But uh, yeah, just don't take it personally because <laughs> there's a world of hurt coming your way. <laughs> yeah. As someone from the outside looking in, you strike me as somebody who just like exudes confidence. And like when you're working with, with this, your whether it be models or brides and the, and the YouTube stuff, it seems like you really are in control. And I've been hoping to get to that place. But I know, I know <laughs> on your thing, it says you still get butterflies every day. Is that is that still true when you when you go to the, a, a new gig? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's just I don't think you get around that. And if you get around that to a degree, you you've stopped caring. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to, in a lot of ways, get around that because I think then you've subconsciously lessened the weight of you know the importance of what you do, uh, or you've just gotten a little too cocky. <laughs> so both <laughs> are not good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the time, you know, for example, again, I'm 100% open with this kind of stuff. I was doing I really it. great on in Instagram. And then come January, for some reason, since January first, my Instagram has been like half the amount of engagement as normal. And I'm like, what am I doing different? What am I not doing correctly? Like, there's just something wrong here. Um, so then I get that feeling like, oh, I just, I have these followers, but I'm just a sham. Like, it's going to look like I bought the followers. I, I don't, like, I'm really, I hate when I see people that buy followers. So it's it's stuff like that, you know, it just gets to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I had the exact same experience. And right around January, too. So we should, we should, really? we, should we should get together and we should go to the, I know people at Instagram, we're going to go and make our case. They, they've been like, uh, what is this crap? We've been shadow banned. 
my my dad's something's so, wrong my dad's so funny because he posts like all this like um this like super like political stuff on facebook and people just like don't touch it oh, with man. a 10-foot pole and then he'll just nope. be like i've i've been shadow banned it's like no dad it's just like no one no. wants to associate themselves with your psycho political posts so yeah i'm just i get the same exactly. way and it's tough not to, to get focused on on the metrics of things and the, and the comments of, of, yep. of it i know that you do a lot of speaking and um you're always at all of the big conferences, which one day I will be a part of. I am growing this thing. I'm going to be there with you and Manny Ortiz and Jared Poland and all these people, Lindsay Adler. You guys will it. I will be a part of your friend group. I will make it happen. Not to assume we're all friends, but in my mind, there's a, some some sort of like we are actually. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love all you guys, and and this this podcast is really sort of just a Trojan horse to get to meet all you guys and, and befriend you. So nice. So far, it's working out really well. I'm sort of like I see running... your plan. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, there will be more women coming. I just want to say this while you're here: there will be more women coming on this podcast. It's sort of a thing of like just how the scheduling works, and also like as a guy, I feel like I, guys say yes right away, but like for women, they for whatever you know. I I totally get it. I'm just like some random guy. Like, yo, can we talk for an hour? And they're like. No, dude. So, but <laughs> Vanessa is the first of many powerful, awesome women who will be coming on the show. Okay. Tell me about, you know, that, that experience when you go to these conferences and you're getting to meet people from the other side of, you know, the internet and, and, uh, and what is that like? And, and when you're, you have those opportunities to, to teach at scale like that, um, what are you trying to get across? So first, I just, I love conventions. I've been obsessed with them since, you know, the very first I went to, one, one I went to was in New York. It was Photo Plus. I had never been to anything like that. And it was just like walking around like a kid in a candy shop through all the aisles of the trade show floor with all the stuff that's just meant for us photographers. And I love them. I was absolutely obsessed from the first one, you know, that I ever did. So since then, I loved the idea of teaching, having been a Spanish teacher, and decided, you know what, why not? Like, why not see if I can teach this kind of stuff and figure it out and hopefully be helpful to, you know, other, other photographers? You know, to answer your question too, like I love going to see all of my friends and that's really exciting and fun. Uh, but at the same time, I also, you know, love seeing all the people I don't get to see because, you know, I'm friends with all these people, but, you know, we don't get to hang out. We all live on different areas of, of the country or the world. So when we yeah, get to see sure. each other, it's pretty fun. That's awesome. Have you met a whole bunch of new people and uh, and you're in Texas now, right? I am in Texas, uh, still meeting people, still trying to figure out that, that whole thing. So that's, that's perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know when I make my best friend again. I don't, I don't think I will because... She's I miss in the, my she's friends. In, she's in the market for a new friend. No, I was kidding. I, I could totally relate. I'm in the market for a best friend. Please. Yes. <laughs> Vanessa, Joy, Vanessa Joy on Instagram, also on YouTube. Uh, cool. Yeah. Like, where, where's the Tinder for, like, me? <laughs> <laughs> for photographer friends, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, for being here today. I'm sorry I've been all over the place. It's uh, it's it's, it's really cool, though, to uh, to get to spend some time with you and, and to to meet Vanessa Joy, the person, not just the, the uh, you know, the YouTube yeah. celebrity in my mind. So. Um, where can, where can people find you online? This is shameless, uh, self-promotion time. Anything you have coming up? I'm sure I missed something along the line there. The floor yeah, is yours. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I just released 
three books I wrote yesterday because that's what I do. (laughs) I get five college degrees. I write three books at one time. (laughs) That's just what I do. So the easiest place to find me is just vanessajoy.com. I have a tab there, you know, in the menu that's for photographers that'll take you to that website so you can get all the education goodies. And then, um, yeah, all my social links and Instagram. Because my engagement sucks right now, so go find me there. <laughs> <laughs> go like, review, and subscribe. Um, the three books, and I, I know that you had had uh, just put that out, and, and uh, tell me about those. Just just while we're on the way out here, what's going on? What are they about? Where can people buy them? Yeah, I'll put the link in the description. You, you can get them, uh, you know, on my website that I mentioned. You go to vanessajoy.com and go to Four Photogs up up top, and it'll be there on the homepage. They are the art of wedding photography. The, business of wedding photography and then building and marketing your wedding business so there we go it's a three book bundle of stuff i've written over the past 10 years and a bunch of really new fresh content that no one's seen that's awesome i i think i, I covered all three pillars today like almost accidentally so, so we, we did it all <laughs> vanessa thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it no problem all right bye <laughs>for checking out this episode of underexposed podcast if you enjoyed it make sure you tell your friends about it share it with someone who it might be helpful for also follow along on instagram underscore rob johnston that's j-o-h-n-s-t-o-n underscore rob johnston and the website is underexposedpodcast.com and i really look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of underexposed podcast